Hey, I just want to take a few minutes and tell you about some upcoming things. First off, everybody hold up your bulletin. You will notice the connection card. If you would do me a favor, sometime, it can be now, it can be a couple minutes from now, sometime before the end of the service, would you fill out your information? This is for everyone. This is if you're a visitor or you've been going here since the church was founded 109 years ago, um, or, or however long. Uh, would you fill that out, and you can put it in the plate as it's passed later on, or if it's after the service, we've got places in the back that you can put it, but we just want to know a little bit more about you, specifically how we can pray for you, how we can minister to you and be a resource to you this week. So if you would, take some time, fill that out. We have pins in the baskets in front of you on the chairs if you need. You're also going to find there some HFC cards. We talked about it last week. I encourage you to grab a couple and share the love. HFC is a place where God's Spirit is, and we want to tell people about it. I was at Starbucks the other day, and I saw all these like business cards up where you get your milks and your creams. And I was like, huh, oh, okay. Cha-ching! HFC, reimagine life. You need to come visit us. It was just something that I could do so that hopefully God will use that and he'll, somebody who needs to hear about us will see that card and pick it up. Couple of things coming up. We are starting into the Advent season, Thanksgiving and then Advent, and things are going crazy. I want to draw your attention to a few things. First off, Hanging of the Greens. We are going to deck out this sanctuary and church on Wednesday the 19th. We are going to go big. So we need your help. If you can help out on the 19th, would you let us know? You can email office at hfcnaz. And actually, I think, Mary, Mary do we have a sign-up genius? We have a sign-up genius that you can sign up and say, yeah, I'll be there. Bring some extra, you know, buy some extra pizza for me because I'll be there. That's going to be from 6.30 to 8.30 on the 19th. That next Sunday, I don't know, I guess we're doing pizza now. No, we're doing cookies. Buy some extra cookies for me. No pizza. Eat on your own beforehand. That Sunday, the following Sunday, we're going to have a great time as we do the super turkey, what is it, the turkey bowl. Every year we try to raise food to help out CAM, which is a ministry that we partner with. And Michelle and I have decided that since Matt is not here, and Theresa, you will need to edit this out of the podcast, <laughs> Matt has never won. He has never won the turkey bowl. He brought it here, and he's never won. And so we Can I just thought, remind people that I won last year? Just Michelle won last out. year, yes. We thought in honor of Matt being our lead pastor, we would do something for him. Here's what we're going to do. We, we want to make sure he loses again. That's how we're going to tell him we love him. So, if you end up on Matt's team, we give you permission to put food in other people's bins. We'll take it. Let anyone win but Matt, and then we'll all love him at the Super uh, Turkey Bowl. Okay, you with me? Uh, two other things coming up. The first week in December kicks off Advent festivities on Saturday the 6th, we're having a marketplace here. There are going to be about 20-something vendors, people from our church that either make crafts or something, or they sell things like Scentsy, is that what it's called? Scentsy or 31 or stuff like that. This is a great time to knock out all your Christmas shopping before things get crazy. You don't even have to go to the mall. 
Just come to church. It's on the 6th. The next day on the 7th, we are having Christmas in the park. We are taking our church Sunday evening to the gazebo. We're going to have, are we having a petting zoo, Michelle? We're working on a petting zoo. We're going to have train rides for kids. There may be a special appearance for the younger kids by somebody, um, not me, but somebody else with a big belly that, uh, <laughs> that might, you know, take down information for toys and prizes. We're going to have soups there. We're going to have crafts. We're going to have a candle lighting time where we just sing some old carols, some fun carols, and we just have a great time reaching out to our community, helping them kick off the Advent season well. So, we want you to join in. These things and many more items and announcements can be found at our new webpage, which is hfc.church. Not org, hfc.church. So I encourage you, go check out our new webpage. It's pretty great. And you can learn all about things going on in our church. So now, would you stand with me? I've talked long enough. Would you do me a favor and would you say hi to someone around you? Would you, maybe there's somebody that you don't recognize or someone you haven't seen in a while. Let them know you're glad they're here. Pray with me. God, we love you. And I thank you that you have been true to your word. We've gathered in your name and you have been all over this place. Thank you for your presence. God, I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit so that as the scriptures are read and I do my best to proclaim your word, I pray that we will hear and respond with joy and gratitude today to all that you have to say to us. Amen. Hi. How you doing? This is an unexpected joy. It's good to see you. Oh, I can see you better now. Thank you, Jack. Oh, lights. We are beginning a new series this week, and I'm so grateful for the chance to start off the series. We're starting a series called Overflow. It's called Overflow, a series on gratitude. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on what it means to have joy and gratitude overflow from our hearts and through our lives. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on. Uh, we're taking this uh, concept from Luke 6, 45. Jesus is speaking and he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. See, it doesn't, it, it can be good or it can be bad, but what you say overflows from your heart. And so our task is to figure out how can we align our lives so close to the gospel, so close to Jesus, that the natural overflowing is Jesus. Because that's what we want the world to see, right? So we're gonna we're gonna look today at a scripture. But before we do, I'm going to tell you a story that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> Everything I do is embarrassing, so what's <laughs> surprise? I was thinking of this overflow concept and, you know, this 
this out of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and just this, this gushing, you can't help it. And I asked my wife, I said, Jen, can you help me think of a time that would be a good example for overflow? And she said, yes, I can. And so she proceeded to remind me of this story. It was about five months ago, six months ago. Sitting on the couch with my wife, we're watching probably, I don't know, I was sitting with my wife, so probably Downton Abbey, which is fine. I like Downton Abbey, it's okay. But uh, So we're watching Downton Abbey, the machine, the washing machine is going, we hear, you know, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start to hear this, and I look at my wife and I said, is that the washing machine? She said, no, it doesn't sound like the washing machine. It sounds like it's coming from around the corner, and it's getting louder. And I'm like, something's not right. Okay, let's figure this out. So we hop up. About that time, we hear this huge explosion. We run to the downstairs bathroom, and water is shooting out of the toilet, hitting the ceiling, hitting the walls. It's all over the ground. By the time we get there, and we don't have a big house. I mean, this is how fast the water was coming. It's about a quarter of an inch deep, just toilet water, overflowing. And I'm like, turn off the washing machine. And so we run and turn it off, and everything stops. Well, I come to find out that the piping that takes our water out of our house was not done well and it was not sloped correctly, giving us this angle that causes this backup, which causes when we have the washing machine trying to push water out, eventually it just says, I don't want to do that anymore. Gravity and the tree limb that's growing in this broken pipe tells me I don't want to do this. And it decides it's got to go somewhere and it was shooting, I mean, I mean, it's it wasn't dirty water, but it was nasty water. Does that make sense? <laughs> Overflowing. And I'm so grateful for David Slaughter, who was able to come and fix my problem. Overflow. Couldn't help it. It just was happening. Just overflowing. We were at Disney in 2011, and <laughs> surprise, I'm going to talk about Disney. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it's funny, because we're talking about passion, and you know, if it's not Disney, it's Duke basketball. So we're going to go with Disney today. We're at Disney, and my daughter loves Jessie. She loves Jessie from Toy Story. She has the doll. She plays with it. It's, she's like the girl in Toy Story that plays with the doll and puts it on her shoulders and runs around with it. Well, we happen to have a friend who works at Disney who is able to pull strings and he arranged for a very special moment for my daughter, Emma. And we're gonna show this, I'm going to show this little video clip. But what I want you to do is I want you to focus on Emma's face. She's not saying a lot, but she's saying a lot. So let's take a look at this clip. Jessie! Oh, she's your favorite! 
Hey, tell Jesse what. Tell her what you got for Christmas. Jesse. She's not quite ready for you yet, Jesse. <laughs> tell her what you got for Christmas. Jesse. Yay. Does it have a? Does it have something in the back? What do you get? Look, she's got she's one. She's got one too. How cool is that? I I love her expression. She's just this, like, she's not saying anything, but you know she is just beside herself with joy. She is just, she is overflowing with happiness. Today's good news comes from the book of Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to do something that we don't do a lot here, but would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? We're in Luke chapter 17. The words will be up there. You're welcome to follow along, or you're welcome just to listen and hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praising God, or shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. So in order to understand this, we need to unpack a little bit, and you probably know this, but just so that we're all on the same page and starting from common ground, back in the day, the time that we're talking about, leprosy was this horrid, horrid um, affliction. It was so bad that if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were instantly taken outside the city. You were separated from family, from friends. You were not allowed to go into the temple. You were sent, not only out of the city, you were sent to the outskirts of the country. Anytime somebody was coming near you, you were required to warn them of your presence. And so you would have to shout, unclean, unclean. Stay away from me. You don't want what I have. Keep back. Can you imagine feeling that way? Your whole life, you're shunned. Not only are you isolated, but anytime anyone is close, you're having to tell them, stay away from me. I'm bad news. So we have these lepers. It's interesting that the Bible talks about there were 10 of them. One of them was a Samaritan. It's, it's as if Jesus is reminding us of something. When you were a leper, 
Well, let's step back. Before you were a leper, if you were a Jewish person, your view of a Samaritan person was not good. They were half-breeds, they were lesser than, they were not God's chosen people, we are the Jewish people, we are God's chosen, you are not, and there was this race, this ethnic, this keep away from me. And yet, when, when you have leprosy, all of a sudden, those identities go by the wayside and you, in essence, to survive, are forced to forget those boundaries and join together just to survive. And so there wasn't Jewish lepers and Samaritan lepers. There were lepers. Jesus is just reminding us so that we understand that, hey, where there's pain, there's cohabitation. These people were hurting and they were together. Does that make sense? You with me? Thank you. Who was that? Thank you. I appreciate it, Lonnie. <laughs> so Jesus heals them. He says, go, go to the priest, tell them you're healed. Now, this is good news, right? And all 10 of them were obeying. I, I, I want to be sure we paint this because so many times we're like, oh, those ungrateful nine, what's wrong with them? I can't believe them. So, oh, I, I can't believe, I, you know, I hope Jesus took back the healing. You know, it's like, you're all healed. What, only one came back? Okay, nine of you, forget it, you know. That's what we think. No, no, let's don't give them too hard a time. They were all following the directions of the Messiah. He said, go to the temple, show yourself. That's what they were all doing. Commentaries we're talking about, it's interesting that the nine were doing what they were wanting, what Jesus was telling, because this was this future thinking. As they were being healed, they started to think, I'm going to be able to get back with my family. I'll be able to rejoin the city. I'll be able to pray in the temple again. I'll be able to have a job. I'll be able to reunite with friends and loved ones. This is a good thing. We were future thinking. This is good, right? But then there's the Samaritan who says, no, no, no. I can't look too far ahead. I've got to take a moment and realize what has happened and take a moment and show gratitude now. My future is still there, but my gratitude begins here and now. See, gratitude is a tricky thing. If you are thankful, well, Webster's definition is, to be thankful is to be relieved or pleased. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that my family is well. I'm thankful that I have a job. I'm thankful that I get to do what I get to do. I'm relieved. I'm pleased. Gratitude is different. Gratitude is the quality. It's the trait. It is within you. Thankful is what you show, but gratitude is something that works inside you. It's a quality that begins here and cannot help but expand. So we see this, this beautiful dichotomy of people that were thankful. The nine were thankful that they were healed, but then you have this one that showed gratitude. And as I was reading the text, um, I gotta be honest with you. 
I usually try to hope that I align myself up with the Samaritan. I hope that I'm grateful. I hope that I'm, I hope that, I'm that kind of person. But I found myself wondering, how many times am I like the nine? I mean, you look at the stats. We complain about our cars. 13% of the globe of adults in the world have cars. 13%, and yet we complain about the one that we have. We wish we had something different. We are in the top 5% of the world. Most of the world lives on less than $2 a day. And we're thankful that we're healthy and we're thankful that we have jobs, but I wonder if we're missing another layer of gratitude that Jesus is calling us to. We find ourselves going to church, we're obedient, we sing songs, we help out, we're thankful for HFC, we're thankful that God saved us, but we find ourselves sometimes just going through the Christian motions because we're future thinking instead of living in a state of gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. 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 Kathy, is it okay if I translate for podcast because I want people to know what was going on? We had a, we had a, a service last night praying for God to heal and do more than we could ever imagine. We don't want to just ask for the minimum. We want God to do something mighty. We are not satisfied with status quo when it comes to God working in our lives. And so we were praying, and Kathy said, you said for years? For about six weeks, Kathy has been having issues walking. She's been having trouble. She, she has a blood clot in her hip, and she woke up this morning... She just, uh, for those of you that aren't here with us now, she's walking down the aisle. So, praise God. Gratitude. Gratitude. You know, it's, you know, and it would be so easy, I'm going off script, it'd be so easy to just say, oh, well, you know, I was probably healing anyway, and, you know, it's been six weeks, it's about time to start feeling better. Or we can choose to acknowledge maybe there was divine intervention on my behalf and God was working in my life and is working in my life. Thank you. You can interrupt me anytime. Well, not anytime. You can interrupt me sometimes. <laughs> How many of us miss opportunities because we're not grateful? How many of us are very comfortable with our lives. Um, I want to show you a quick video. It's a lady who came from the Ukraine. She actually, her family um, was an immigrant. They came over because of the problems that happened in Chernobyl. And so um, let's watch a little bit of uh, Tanya's story. It's powerful. Got my penny 
Only a rich person would drop a penny and not pick it up. Uh, It's very easy for us to live thankful lives but not reach that level of true gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. This, this rejoice, Cairo, not the city. That's, that's how you say it, Cairo. Everybody say Cairo. Very nice. It means rejoice. It would be the Hebrew word for rejoice. The Greek word for rejoice or thankful would be, and Don, you're going to have to help me if I do it wrong, Eucharisto. Close? From where we get the word Eucharist, from where we get the word communion, the Eucharist is the table of great thanksgiving. Not just we're thankful, this is the great thanksgiving. We are grateful So we have this, we are called to live lives that are deeply, deeply grateful. Thankful isn't good enough. We are called to be grateful people. My wife, um, when she had cancer, uh, one of her favorite artists is Linford Detweiler. He's from a group called Over the Rhine, and I would tell you to listen to their music, but it's really not that good. I have no idea why she likes them. (laughs) Sorry, Over the Rhine, if you ever listen to this podcast, I'm sorry. Oh, good, you're in here, honey. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) All right, well, anyway. (laughs) She was dealing with thyroid cancer, and honestly, you know, you hate that it's often those times in your life that are overwhelming when you really start to think about gratitude and and. And thankfulness. Um, Linford has this quote, I simply want God to speak into my, the life I've been given. It's a good life, and saying thank you is what I want my life to be about. I don't just want to say thank you. Thank you is what I want my life to say. Isn't that great? I'd love to be that kind of person. Saying thank you what I want my life to be about. See, that's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's, that's what we're called to. See, the root of joy is gratefulness. See, it's not, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. Our gratitude is what makes us joyful. I love what... Um, Catholic monk David uh, Stendhal Rast says, um, he says exactly that. The root of joy is gratefulness. I'm so sorry. That's exactly what he says. You know? <laughs> so there, I didn't plagiarize. He's the one that said it. Um, you know, it's funny because we are getting to the place in technology and in education where we are starting to um, explore the sciences a little more. It's interesting, um, University of California, Berkeley, in 2012, 
launched a $5.6 million study on gratitude. They wanted to figure out what is the benefit of gratitude in the person's life. This isn't a Christian study. This is UC Berkeley. And this is what they found. Stronger immune systems, lower blood pressure, a higher level of positive emotions, more joy, optimism, and happiness, acting with more generosity and compassion, feeling less lonely and isolated. I just always find it interesting when you have this non-Christian view that is actually explaining, I mean, we've got the physical attributes, but really explaining who we're called to be as Christians, joy, optimistic, full of happiness, generous, compassionate. We are called to communal living. We are called to be the body of Christ. You know, it, it's not just happenstance that gratitude is what God calls for. It is what works best for humanity. So what does it mean to really be grateful? How does it really work? Well, there are two things that you need. First, you need affirmation of goodness. You have to be willing to acknowledge, I am blessed. I have had something happen to me that is good. This meal is good. This moment is good. This vacation is good. What God has created is good. My child is good. You have to have this affirmation of goodness. And the second thing is, there has to be a recognition of the source. Where did this goodness come from? There had to be something or someone outside of myself guiding me to this goodness. And we believe that that is Jesus. My daughter, Emma, you saw the video of her earlier, she was at daycare when she was, I don't know, three, and they were teaching about thankfulness. They were teaching, it was the typical, you know, Thanksgiving thing. And so she came home, and what'd you learn today? I learned about thank you full. Thank you full. Yeah, I'm thank you full for mommy. I'm thank you full for daddy. I'm thank you full for Sadie and Henry, our dogs. She did not mention Henley, but she was still getting used to her. And so Jen created, this, this is typically on the mantle of our fireplace, because we always want to remember to live lives of thankful. Thankful is kind of random. I'm thankful. It just is. Thankful acknowledges there is a person or a God who is responsible for what I am giving thanks for. Wouldn't it be great if we could live lives of thankfulness? Where we weren't just satisfied being thankful for what we had, but we reached this gratitude that said, I am thankful, God. I am thankful for all that you have done and all that you are. There was um, an African missionary that Matt was telling me about. We were meeting. He said, you know, here's where I'm heading um, with the sermon. Um, do, with, do with it 
what you want, but here's, here's what the thrust is that I was wanting. And he talked about this African missionary who came to America. He lived in a place where he had no electricity, no running water, just bare minimums. It, it was what we would consider rough um, or what Ray would consider camping. But uh, <laughs> I would consider it rough. He came to America, started living his life, and he found himself starting to forget his gratitude. And so what he did all through his house, he put sticky notes. Sticky note on the faucet. Thank you for water. It's running. I don't have to go down and haul it back and sterilize it. Thank you for electricity. Sticky note on the light switch. Think, sticky note on the refrigerator. Sticky note in his car. He just decided, I am too blessed to forget how blessed I am. And he lived a life of gratitude. It's just beautiful. So, let's bring it around full circle. You remember the lepers. United by affliction. See, healthy people would have, healthy Jews and Samaritans would never associate with each other. They were united by this affliction that they had. And here's what I found myself wondering. I wonder if the separation returned as they were being healed. I wonder if all of a sudden, well, if I'm not a leper anymore, this whole leper unity thing, I'm good. Thanks, Mr. Samaritan. We got it. I wonder if they thought, I'm, I'm okay now. And yet there's this Samaritan who understood I am an outsider who did not deserve the grace that I was given. And they, he naturally responded with going back and giving thanks. He was simply grateful. You know, when, when, uh, when it talks in Luke about, what do you want? We want to be healed. You know, have mercy on us. Go show yourselves. You'll be healed. The Greek word for that healing means you're going to be physically healed. What, what, what I see won't be there once you show yourself to the priest. It's a different word that we translate as healed at the end. When Jesus says, your faith has healed you, it is talking about a spiritual healing and freedom from death. His gratitude did more. We would translate it in our American culture, that would be what we would equate salvation. He got it. He came, he knelt at Jesus' feet, and he was healed body, mind, and soul. He was saved the other nine were thankful but the one that was grateful was the one that received the true healing in a second we're going to come to the table I can't think of any better way to show gratitude than to spend time at the Lord's table and I think one thing we need to 
address real quickly is the truth that life is scary. Life is hard. Um, It's difficult to always be grateful when you have fears that are surrounding you, when you feel like you are being overwhelmed. So here's what I want you to do. The next time you feel overwhelmed, I want you to stop. The next time you have fear, I want you to stop. I want you to write down, I want you to pray, I want you to think about the things that you are grateful for and see if that affects your situation. Maybe not what's happening, but it will affect you in your situation. And we have a great model for that. Jesus, on the night that he was going to be betrayed, shared a Passover meal. And it says that when they were finished, Matthew 26 says, they sang a hymn and then went to the Mount of Olives to pray. Now, we know, this is what blows my mind. Um, Beth Moore was talking about this. We know the hymn that they would have sung because the Passover tradition was pretty set. It would have been Psalm 118 that they were praying. And so as we come to the table, I want us to, I want you to think about Jesus singing this hymn, knowing what he knew was about to happen. It gives me hope because when I am afraid, it feels overwhelming. And yet, to know that my Savior could sing this hymn, knowing what was about to happen, it, it's just mind-boggling. So here's what I want us to do. I figured, I thought we would read Psalm 118. And uh, we'll have it color-coded so that you read, I'll read, and we'll kind of go back and forth. But as we do, I want you to remember the setting and what is about to happen. So why don't we read this together? You're going to read the yellow part. I'm going to read the gray part. So let's read this. Give thanks to the Lord. Let all Israel repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat, his faithful love endures forever. Let all who fear the Lord repeat, his faithful love endures endures forever. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Though hostile nations surround me, I destroyed them with all the authority of the Lord. Yes, they surrounded and attacked me, but I destroyed them with all the authority of the Lord. They swarmed around me like bees. They're still swarming around me like bees. (laughs) Guys, go on, please. 
My enemies did their best to kill me, but the Lord rescued me. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in, I apologize, raised in triumph. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The Lord, this is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. The band's going to come up, and we're going to, I'm going to ask those that are helping with communion to take their places. Could you imagine being in the upper room, singing this hymn of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude, knowing what was about to happen? The fear that most likely consumed our Savior was kept at bay by the promise of God's word that God is for us that God is with us, by the gratitude that was displayed in obedience. It, it just boggles the mind. And so our response is going to be to come to the table. And we can come to the table because we are united by our afflictions. We are broken people saved because of the blood of Jesus. He is the great uniter. He is the one for whom we give thanks with grateful hearts. So we're going to sing. Here's what I would love for you to do. Come down, and as you receive the elements, our servers are going to say what they normally say. This is the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. I want to challenge you to do something. This was all throughout Psalm 118. It was the response that was said over and over again. As you receive the elements, let me encourage you to respond by saying, His love endures forever. And be grateful. This is an open table. We're all broken here, healed by the grace of Jesus. You don't have to be a member of this church. This is for all who believe. And the beauty of it is, this is actually also for those that do not believe. And we believe that you can come in an act of obedience and surrender and say, God, I may not understand it all, but I want this and I give you my life right now and you can receive the elements too. So as you come, it may get a little chaotic because here's what I'm going to offer. 
as you receive the elements, you may just want to find a place at the altar, on the steps, back of your seats, and just kneel down and with gratitude, out of the overflowing of your heart, tell God how grateful you are for what he has done and for what he is doing. On the night that he was to be betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples, and right before he sang this hymn of God's unfailing love, he took common bread and did something very uncommon. He broke it and he said, this, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, another common element at every Jewish table at Passover that night. But he changed it. He said, this is no longer a remembrance of the covenant that God made with his people when he freed his people from Egypt. No, this is a new covenant. This is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And every time we come to this Eucharist, this table of thanksgiving, we have gratitude. So as you come, come when you're ready. Receive the elements. His love endures forever. And then find a sacred space in this room and give gratitude. Come when you're ready.